Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. I'm Jane Wells from CNBC, and you're listening to Strange Success, the podcast about people who come up with a crazy idea to solve a problem you may not even realize exists. They take an even crazier journey to success filled with failures, rejection, and a lot of stupidity. If you like weird stories with profitable outcomes, and who doesn't, subscribe to Strange Success on whichever podcast platform you use. We start... Can you flip the heads? With this guy. Sue, flip the heads around in the wall. He's a control freak demanding his products look just right in the display. You've probably seen him. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell. I've invented the world's most comfortable pillow. I make them right here in the United States. Mike Lindell invented the My Pillow, a pillow famous for holding its shape. I, I knew when I got, when I invented this, I'm going, wow, this is everything I dreamt of. This is going to change the world. It's going to be, I told people back, this is going to be change this world. It certainly changed his world. Annual sales? Uh, I don't know, 260 million, 300 million. How do you not know that? Well, Mike Lindell is not a detail guy. He literally runs around his three factories, which are capable of churning out 100,000 pillows a day. I can't keep up with him. Wow. What makes his success especially strange is that Mike Lindell started MyPillow when he was a drug addict. And over the last decade, he's gone from the crack house to the White House. And Michael was a supporter of ours right from the beginning, which I really appreciate. It's good to see you here. Not everyone has appreciated that, which we'll get to in a moment. First, let's start where it all started. I am from Chaska, Minnesota. Where Mike Lindell still lives. I grew up in the 1970s here, graduated in 1979, and uh, we biked, you know, biked everywhere, and there was no traffic. It was just... Uh, it was, it was fun. <laughs> I went to the U of M for one quarter. That's the University of Minnesota. And I was working two jobs at a, at a grocery store in the drive-in movie theater, and, I, uh, and it was right during the Iran uh, hostage crisis. Good evening. The American embassy in Tehran is in the hands of Muslim students tonight. Spurred on by an anti-American speech by the Ayatollah Khomeini, they stormed the embassy, fought the Marine Guards for three hours, overpowered them, and took dozens of American hostages. And I told my roommate, I said, I'm out of here. Things are going, you know, the world's coming to an end. <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't, uh, I thought college for me, I, I just felt like I was wasting my time. And I didn't really know what I want to be then. So Mike Lindell kept working two jobs, which soon became one job. And I actually got fired at the grocery store. Uh, the guy, uh, I, he says, you know, you're one of my best workers, but I just, we always conflicted because I, there's things I didn't want. And he said, you know, that, or that I didn't like as an employee. And he says, well, Mike, if you don't like it, maybe, you know, maybe get your own company someday or get your own. And I said, okay. But no, I, at the time I thought it was devastating. And I look back now and it was so meant to be. He says, you don't want to be stuck here and, you know, you're, you're meant for bigger things. Bigger things started with a bunch of smaller things. First business was a, a carpet cleaning business. My sister flooded a second floor of, a, of an apartment complex with a waterbed. Remember, this was the 80s. 
waterbeds were a thing. I went in there and I was cleaning the, with a carpet cleaning you know, a, a, a machine and I said, wow, this would be a good business. I wasn't doing anything. And so I uh, got a beat up Suburban, all rusted out Suburban and put, got, went and got a machine and bought a machine for, um, and it was hard work, but it, uh, you know, it started with sunshine cleaners. <laughs> that wasn't the only way Mike Lindell made money. I was also a professional card counter. I took card counting for 21. And uh, so I had a couple of trips to Vegas and, uh, and uh, that didn't work out. There's stories behind that, but. Uh, uh, tell uh, me a funny story about that. Well, I got uh, uh, there, I didn't know. I was a you know, young kid, uh, you know, 22 years old or whatever. And I remember being at uh, one of the big casinos uh, in uh, Las Vegas. And I'm at the table and it's the middle of the night and I, I seen the, the dealer I thought was, was cheating. And I actually said, uh, the next card's the Jack of Diamonds. I said, you're, you're dealing from the bottom of the deck or whatever, your second dealing me. And I called the pit bosses over and they, they come over. I said, he's second dealing me, second dealing me. And I'm thinking this guy's in trouble. And they came around the table and picked me up and literally threw me through the front door. <laughs> Lindell also tried making money as a hog farmer. So I bought uh, 60 feeder pigs. I went to the bank, borrowed money, and bought 60 feeder pigs. He put the hogs in a residential area. They kept escaping and running through the neighborhood. And then... And the hog market collapsed. I lost everything. Finally, Mike Lindell put all his passion and energy into the bar business. He started out as an employee. Then he talked the bar owner into letting him buy the place. It was per persistence. I didn't have any credit. I didn't have anything. And he, uh, you know, I talked him into it. That's about the time I started cocaine. Cocaine became a huge part of Mike Lindell's life. I was actually in treatment for, I had a lot of uh, tickets in the, in the 80, 1980s, DWIs and such. Even in treatment, he kept trying to figure out his ticket to riches. His mind never stopped. One night, he met a guy in recovery. I said, what do you used to do? And he said, well, I ran, I ran lunch wagons in, in California. And he says, like, we'd pull up to these businesses or the beaches and open the side and everybody come out and get food. And I go, hmm, that sounds pretty good. We didn't have nothing like that on this side of the Twin Cities. And so I called up my friend, I said, pick me up at this treatment center when I get out. I said, uh, we're gonna be, uh, I said, we're gonna, you know, I'm, we're gonna be rich. So after he left rehab, he started a lunch wagon business and he also got back into the bar business. Probably wasn't real good because I was an addict at the time, pretty hardcore cocaine addict. Life puttered along for years between business and drugs, drugs and business. Then in 2004, Mike Lindell, now in his 40s, husband and father, bar owner and coke addict, landed on the idea which would make him a millionaire. How did you get the idea for the pillow? The pillow came to me in a dream and actually it was the name, the My Pillow, the logo, the name first. Backing up for a moment, Mike Lindell always had a thing about pillows. I was 16 years old at the Super Value store in Chaska, Minnesota, working as a bag boy. And one of my checks, I went out and bought a, a 70 some dollar pillow in 1977. That was like the most expensive pillow you could buy. Who does that as a teenager? And I wasn't on drugs then or drinking. 30 years later, Mike Lindell was on drugs and drinking. Then he had that dream. It was about a pillow that could be molded into a desired shape. He believed it was a message from God. I got up in the middle of the night, it was about two in the morning, and I had my pillow wrote everywhere in the kitchen and all over the house. And my daughter, one of my daughters at the time, she came upstairs, she goes, 
She looked around, she goes, well, what are you doing, Dad? She's like 10 years old, and I, she came out to get a glass of water, and I said, I said, I've got this idea for the, this pillow. It's going to be called my pillow. What do you think about it? And, uh, you know, and she's, she looks at me, she goes, that's really random. And she went back downstairs. Lindell was so passionate about the pillow, he says his addiction took a back seat, though only for a while. He taught himself to sew and bought foam, and he dragged in his son, Darren, who was in elementary school at the time. And he'd come home from school, and we had like 94 different uh, foams and stuff to put in there, and we would tear endless hours tearing and trying different things. And, you know, some days he goes, you know, he's kind of trying to avoid me. I'm going, come on, it'll be fun. It's not fun, Dad. <laughs> you know, there's foam flying around the neighborhood. <laughs> so this is a hammer mill. This is an old piece. The, the guts of it are an old piece of a farm equipment. Lindell is showing me an old rusted machine he bought and retrofitted to make his first pillows in 2004. Back in the day, I had to put in, change these grids. It was actually that I did it myself. For each piece, it, was, it took hours and hours to make, uh, you know, maybe 12 pillows. You know? After making a few hundred pillows, in 2005, Lindell tried to sell them. I went down to the, a local, it was a bed, bathroom beyond, and, and I went, went in there first, I said, I have the best pillow in the world. How many would you like? And they're going, okay, I mean, you need to leave. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know, it's like it was a complete shutout. And, they, uh, and so I was turned down everywhere, and I didn't know what to do. And my, my brother-in-law's brother, he said, uh, well, Mike, why don't, you, uh, why don't you do a kiosk? I said, well, what's a kiosk, and how do you spell that? I mean, I had no idea what a kiosk was. And so we borrowed money from my ex-bookie to, to get this kiosk. Actually, I'd remortgage my house. I borrowed money from him. That comes a little later. As you can see, uh, Mike Lindell's conversational style jumps around as quickly as his brain does. To get this kiosk was about 15000 and we only sold 80 pillows during that whole Christmas stretch. He was way in debt. But there was hope because the people that had bought during those, those 80 that had bought, almost everyone had come back and said, this is amazing. So yeah, you had that. It was just, it was, so I knew, you know, um, it had something that was gonna, that was divine. I was there the one day and this guy asked me, he had bought a pillow and he said, can I, uh, I said, can I get your card? And I said, oh, wait, I'm, all out of, I'm all out of cards. You know, I didn't have cards. Lindell wrote his name and number down on a piece of paper and the guy called him. He said, this pillow changed my life. It created a miracle in my life. Turns out the guy was part of the local home and garden show. And in 2006, he invited Mike Lindell to bring my pillow to the innovation exhibit. It was a hit. We sold out those three, four hundred, and and then applied for the Minnesota State Fair, and I got in there that first year. But with these shows, now I knew I'd be able to support my family. Unfortunately, Mike Lindell also made enough to double down on his drug habit. How long you been clean and sober? So January 16, 2009. So you started my pillow while you were still an addict. Right. People say that all the time. They say that's one of the biggest miracles ever. I was a functioning cocaine addict, and then I, I got into crack cocaine. It's a different drug. In 2008, four years after launching My Pillow, Lindell tells the story of the darkest night of his life. Drugs had cost him his marriage, his house, and he was on the verge of losing control of his business. I was up for days, a couple weeks, and uh, and the the three of the biggest dealers in the cities in Minneapolis here. I was staying down there. Um, Where? And 
What's that? Where were you staying? In the bad part of Minneapolis, okay, in uh, one of the dealer's house or apartments. And the one guy leading says, you're going to bed and uh, no one, none of your guys are going to sell you anything until you go to sleep. And then one guy said, he goes, you're our only hope. Mike Lindell was the only crack addict any of them knew who had achieved some success in life. So they did this little intervention and then two of them leave and say, none of my people are selling to them. Well, I'm, the other guy's sitting on the chair and I'm looking over doing one of these. Lindell is looking out of the corner of his eye. He said, how much do you have left? I had like two crack rocks left and, and, uh, and I smoked them and he's waiting for me to go to sleep and he's gonna wake me out and he fell asleep. So I snuck off and, and uh, down and uh, down hit the streets and it was about 3, 3.30 in the morning. And I'm not kidding, I could not, nobody. And I'm going, I have $100 for $5 worth. And these are addicts on the street. These are, you know, and then I'm going, okay, how could they get the word out? How do they know, you know, notice me? I'm trying to hide my mustache and everything. <laughs> okay, you know, you know, nobody knew who I was then, but still it was like they, they must have described me, you know. Mike Lindell says no one in Minneapolis would sell him crack that night. So I get back defeated and I get back to the, to the apartment. The dealer was awake now. And he's sitting there and he goes, how'd that work out for you? And, I, and I'm just all upset and he goes, give me your phone. He said, uh, and uh, he says, I wanna, I'm gonna take a picture. You're gonna need this for your book. Buried deep in Lindell's phone are two pictures he claims the dealer took of him that night. In both, his bloodshot eyes stare into the camera, exhausted and angry. That's actually gonna be on the cover of my book, the picture he took. That was March 2008. But wait, didn't he say he hit bottom in January 2009? A lot of stuff, more stuff had to happen throughout those nine months. Like an epic battle for control of my pillow. Pretty much everything that could go wrong was going wrong. Until finally, that January night, Mike Lindell decided it was time to stop taking drugs. I compare it to you have a little dot on the TV, the old black and white TVs where the little dot and you turn it back on right before that dot and it come back to life. I had one prayer that night. I said, you know, God, I want to wake up in the morning and never have the desire again for this. And because I knew he had a big platform for me that that year of 2008, I kept getting signs that, uh, you know, this is bigger than me. I woke up the next day and you got to realize this is years of crack addiction. I look, I even, I go, wow, something's different. It was the most peaceful feeling I've ever had, but I've never looked back as if it was just gone. Two years after that, in 2011, Lindell and My Pillow were profiled in the local newspaper. And I was actually in Laughlin, Nevada at the time, and I was playing blackjack. <laughs> yeah, he was still card counting to make a few bucks, and he was with a friend named Rob. Now, back in those days, Lindell had his phone set to ding every time a My Pillow order came in. The morning the newspaper story was published, all of a sudden, he heard a ding, and he goes, what's that? And I said, and uh, I said, well, that's an order. I said, someday, Rob, I said, my phone, my dream is to, it's going to ding so loud that, uh, or ding so much, I'll have to turn it off. At that exact moment in time, I get goosebumps when I talk about it. It was, and it was just like a fan going off. I sold more pillows that day than I had in probably the whole half a year combined. Lindell soon created newspaper ads which looked like that news article, telling the story of my pillow, minus the cocaine part. And then... At that same moment in time, I had a dream of an, of an infomercial. Another dream. And then I told my friends and family, I said, let's, let's uh, if everybody pulls your money, we're going to have the biggest infomercial. I've seen it in the, in, in the world. 
and I actually went to some professionals and they said, oh no, you need a movie actor and you need this and you need this. And I'm going, you know, I want to throw up when I see some of this stuff. It's fakey to me, you know. I wanted it to be real. And no one was realer than Mike Lindell himself. Anyway, the night before we're going to do this infomercial, all the audiences come there the next day. They have these big producers there and they go, and I'm reading off this teleprompter, they go, we have a problem, you, you can't script this guy. And, and, he said, and he said, what are we gonna do? And so we just went live the next morning with no teleprompter, no nothing, and did this infomercial. Do not change that channel because the next half hour is gonna change your life. And I just ad-libbed it, I was just off the cuff. I had never been on TV, I was petrified. You can turn this any way you want. You can make little balloon animals out if you want. Okay, it's gonna hold it. They launched the infomercial in the middle of the night when insomniacs would be watching TV and might want a better pillow to help them sleep. It launched October 7, 2011. I was in, living in my sister's basement. His sister's basement? Oh yeah, that's right, he lost the house. Uh, in the middle of the night, it launched at 3 a.m., and it came across, and I go, wow. And, it, you know, for seeing myself, I hadn't seen it. I had not watched it. And I seen it, and it was just, I go, this is going to work. You have nothing to lose. By the end of the year, we went from five employees to 500. Just, But he wasn't making money. I was probably five or six million dollars in the hole, and I'm going, and I'm sitting there in the summer of 2012 going, oh. I'm gonna work the rest of my life for, you know, doing show to show this didn't work. I took in all this money, but I didn't know my direct costs or my indirect costs. I was just, keep making them and I'm, you know, <laughs> you know. What he didn't realize was that MyPillow was still being charged top dollar for shipping, even as its volume skyrocketed. It's tough for entrepreneurs when they're small to get good prices on stuff to be, you know, cause you either have to charge so much more to make a net, you know. I just trusted so many people, my handshake was my word, so I expected the same. It had taken him until now to learn that he had pricing power, which he finally flexed to bring his costs down. And then MyPillow expanded even more quickly. This is a machine we invented ourselves. So much in the factories had been invented by Lindell and his team, including a machine which quickly takes a freshly sewn pillowcase and flips it inside out so the seams are on the inside. But so you what do other pillow makers do? I have no idea. You know, we do stuff our way. <laughs> Everything is made in America, and employees on the factory floor often stop to chat with their boss. Lindell admits he's not much for resumes. He's more about fitting people with the right job. He says his head of IT learned IT on the Internet. Sometimes he makes people switch jobs just so they won't get bored. And he tries to avoid firing anyone. Well, first of all, we hire people that, uh, you know, a lot of times are unhirable including at least one person from his crack addict days who got clean. If you see a deviation in somebody's work, we don't have like typical HR where they build a file on you and they fire you. Oh yeah, we got enough to fire him now. Well, what we do if something's wrong and let's say it's a no call, no show, we find out why and then we, you know, we, we get him help, whatever that need may be. You know, let's say uh, um, your you know, wife left you or whatever and you know, I don't feel like coming into work either. So. We, when we people work for us, I had one employee that wasn't sure, he was chronically late. We found out that he was walking 12 to 15 miles to work and I bought him a car. And the other employee goes, well, why don't I get a car? Well, you didn't walk, you didn't walk to work every day for six months. Of uh, all my employees, there's probably 1,500 now. Almost all of them, at least a third of them, have my direct cell phone number. One of those employees is the son who helped create the product back in elementary school. Yeah, this is the guy that tore the foam on the deck. Hi, Hi. <laughs> Darren Lindell is now in his 20s and helps manage the factory floor. He's got my 
I don't know what you would call it, that entrepreneurial spirit that he, he can send, he can see stuff outside the box, like deviations and what you know what this will mean in the future, where you know projections without having to do some big PowerPoint and figure it out. It's amazing seeing some of me and him. You know, not everything. He doesn't have all the. <laughs> He's got the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the perfect ending, right? 1,500 employees, hundreds of millions in sales, product expansion into sheets, dog beds, mattresses for millennials. But wait, 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 wait. In 2016, California sued MyPillow for false advertising. In 2017, the Better Business Bureau changed the company's A-plus rating to an F. Sales dropped, and Lindell had to lay off over 100 people. What happened? In the California case, authorities accused Lindell and the company of making unsubstantiated health claims about MyPillow, including Lindell being referred to as a sleep expert. I don't qualify for that, even though I've studied more sleep than anyone in this world. He settled the suits for $1 million. In business, I learned because of the laws in this country, because it's not loser pays, you go to mediation and they would have ran me out of money. He's clearly angry. You end up settling and then products go up in this country. This is something um, that I, I really would like to see changed in this country. The National Sleep Foundation stopped selling his pillows on its website. Then the Better Business Bureau gave the company a flunking grade after receiving more than 200 complaints about MyPillow's continuous buy one, get one free promotion. Under its rules, a nonstop sale isn't really a sale. That was such a farce from A-plus to an F because uh, their guidelines say I shouldn't run my ad over Christmas and, and my two-for-one, you know, buy one, get one free, because according to their guidelines, you can't run it more than six months. Well, you've never had a more successful infomercial in history. The BBB also said the company violated rules against calling something a discount when you manufacture the product yourself. If you make your own product, cutting your own price isn't a discount. I said, so let me get this right. This is my suggested retail price because I'm my own manufacturer. If I made them overseas and I wasn't my own manufacturer, I could do that. And they said yes. And I said, you know what? That is wrong. You guys are wrong. And then everyone thought it was political, which I still believe it is. Were you punished for supporting Donald Trump? Absolutely. I, I'm not a political person. I got contacted by Donald Trump and for a, for a meeting with him in New York City. And I met him August 6th, 15th of 2016. And I walked in there, he was so, my pillow to him was what he wanted for this country. All the jobs he wanted to bring back, he was just, and you know, that back and forth, that's what we talked about. Um, and by the time I got out of there, I go, this guy's gonna be the most amazing president in history. The California lawsuits and settlement happened before Lindell met Donald Trump, but the Better Business Bureau complaints and downgrade happened after. And once Trump got elected, the president invited Lindell to a White House event on American jobs. My board goes, are you really going? I said, yeah. I said, you know, I met the guy, you know. I mean, this is, a, this, he's amazing and he's gonna change this country and there's gonna be great things coming out the other end and I still believe that to this day. Are you gonna show me some things? Let's go. Do you wanna start, Michael? In fact, at the event, Mike Lindell sat right next to the president. I seen my name tag and I said, who's sitting here? And they said, well, the president. Like, I'm going, whoa, really? You know, I felt so honored. But after the California settlement, MyPillow had to pull its commercials and create a new ad campaign, which recently launched. Lindell says sales have rebounded and he has started hiring again. All the adversity in my life um, has made me a strong C CEO. So when things happen, 
Um, my whole company, my all my employees, they, they rely on me for their rock. You know, we'll get through this. These days, Mike Lindell is also focusing on a charitable foundation to help the poor and addicted. The company has donated pillows to shelters and hospitals. He's got an autobiography coming out, and his friend and fellow Christian, actor Stephen Baldwin, wants to make a movie out of Lindell's life. It's quite a story. It seems like a lifetime ago, but yet it seems like yesterday. It's hard to, you know, put it in words. Mike Lindell looks around the ad hoc My Pillow Museum set up inside his largest factory. The sewing machines I used to use right there. Oh and then we have the timeline on the wall there, the history of my pillow. He points to the company's many accolades. And then the uh, got an A plus with the BBB. Obviously, that changed. <laughs> <laughs> he credits his survival and his success to God. I look back now and I go, the only way that we were able to do that was was divine intervention. God, you know, it was just like a miracle, an absolute miracle. The Bible is filled with miracles and with wisdom brought through dreams, from the dreams of Joseph in the Old Testament to the dreams of a different Joseph in the New. Mike Lindell is convinced his dreams also came from a higher power. People say, well, would you change anything? Not if I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. If I could be where I'm at now and not ever do the addictions and all the other stuff that happened to me, that'd be great. But, but, but it didn't work out. It didn't work out that way. And so people that have been on crack going, you know, you don't hear any successful crack addicts. And I have so many friends that are on crack, that were on crack at the time, and they've all quit now too, followed me. So it can be done, people, you know. It can be done, and he did it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Success. I'm Jane Wells for CNBC. Strange Success is written and produced by me with help from producers Candace Goldman, Janice Pettit, Ellen Egith, Jessica Ettinger, and Paul McNamara. Editing and mixing by Candace Goldman. If you want to see Mike Lindell in action and maybe even see the photo his dealer took of him the night when nobody would sell him crack, you'll find his story at cnbc.com forward slash strange hyphen success. Next week, we'll be back with another bizarre journey behind another weird product. I mean, I knew this was going to help the world so much. We sure hope so. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.